Greetings in, in Jesus' name, and I welcome each and every one of you to this portion of the service here today. Um, as I was studying and, and thinking about today and, uh, and what to share on, um, I had to think about the time of the year it is, and I guess I'm going to give a warning to all the men that are out here that tomorrow is Valentine's Day. Um, I'm assuming nobody ever misses that. I'm assuming all of you men have your uh, priorities in order and your ducks quacking, if I can say it that way. Sometimes some of us uh, almost forget. I announce that as my own problem. But anyway, just I thought I would mention that in, in uh, opening up here today that tomorrow is Valentine's Day. You still have a day to do something uh, nice for your sweetheart in them and however you decide. But as I was thinking about the time of the year and uh, life, I, I've chosen to speak today on love. And, and when I say love, I'm not talking about Valentine's Day. I'm not talking about the romantic love. I'm not talking about the world's version of love. What I would like to have us look at today is God's love. An agape love. And when I say them two things... Um, I guess, first of all, I was like, everybody knows that God loves us, and that God is love, and, and the rest of the scriptures that we've been taught for years. But I do think it's so good for us, I'll, I'll be honest with you, through studying, it has been so much fun to see how much of God's word is done in love. And I think sometimes maybe I just think everybody knows it, and I fail upon it. But I do want to uh, share a few stories today and then also look at God's Word. And I'll be sharing out of 1 John 4 to start with, so you can turn to that. But before we get started, I came up on a couple stories here by Melvin Newland. And it was a little bit comical, but they asked some children what love is. And their answers were fairly interesting. So I'm going to mention a few here today. One said, love is when your puppy licks your face even after you've left him alone all day. Another said, Love is when my mommy makes a cup of coffee for my daddy, takes a little sip before she gives it to him to make sure it tastes okay. One boy said, When someone loves you, the way they say your name is different. You just know that your name is safe in their mouth. Another thoughtfully responded, you really shouldn't say, I love, I love you, unless you mean it. But if you mean it, you should say it a lot, because people forget. And finally, a seven-year-old named Bobby said, Love is what's in the room with you at Christmas if you stop opening presents and just listen. And, and I find it so comical. I love children's way of thinking in life. Um, some of us like to complicate life. Some of us enjoy making life bigger than it is in some ways. And I just love that fact of children because that whole idea of presence at first, I was like, ah, that's, that, I never would have thought of that one. But honestly, what the kid is saying is, it is when you are looking out for someone else and you have given them something from what you are or you have and you have handed that over and they're opening these presents or whatever it may be because you have shared with somebody else. And that's love. And so I thought about it a little bit more. I thought, I kind of like that idea. If you just sit back and listen. Another one here, and this may 
include mothers a little bit more, but I, I found it so interesting, so I'm going to share it. If I have time for waxing, polishing, and decorating, but have not love, my children learn cleanliness, but not godliness. Love smiles at the tiny fingerprints on the newly cleaned window. Love wipes away the tears before it wipes up the spilled milk. Love picks up the child before it picks up the scattered toys. Love is present through the trials. Love reproves and is responsive. Love is the key that opens a child's heart to God. Before I became a mother, I took glory in the perfection of my house. Now, I glory in God's perfection of my child. A mother's version of love. If I live in a house of spotless beauty with everything in its place, but have not love, I am a housekeeper, not a homemaker. And, and that is what I would like us to think about today. And I know that's on the ladies' side of life, you might say. But I like us to think about that very concept. Because we do a lot of stuff in life. But do we do it out of a heart of love? Do we do it out of a heart of obligation? Do we do it because someone may notice something, and we want somebody to notice that I'm doing something? Or do we do it because of the love that God's placed in our life? 1 John 4, starting at verse 7, I'm going to read to the end of the chapter. I, I chose 1 John 4. I want you to understand one thing. There are so many scriptures that I didn't know where to start or begin or end. So I hope that this ship, when it starts, ends in a beautiful place or somewhere decent that makes sense. Um, the love of God is so thorough, we could probably preach on this for the next weeks and months and not even come close to it. It's just amazing. Do a study on God's love someday. And the amount of scripture and the amount of life that is breathed into your life when you study what God is and that God is love. But I chose to start 1 John 4, verses 7. Verse 7 through 21. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may be bold... We must be boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, 
How can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Now, I'm going to be real honest with you. When I got studying this, there was a lot of God loves and not, you know, back and forth. And he says, if you love God, if you don't love God, then you don't know God. And if you're not born of God, then you don't love. And, and it kind of goes back and forth. But it is absolutely a beautiful passage. And I think this back and forthness in some of this stuff absolutely explains the love of God. Starting at ver- going back to verse 7 and 8, and, and it says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. I find that terribly intriguing to me. It's a very strong statement. Because he says, He who, uh, he who does not love does not know God. Point blank. It's not, if you don't love right, then you might not know God good. But it's if you don't love somebody or those around you, then you don't know God. Because God is love. And, and God is love really has kind of baffled me over the years in a sense. Because I know God is love, but God is also justice. And God is a great God. And God created this. And, but in a sense, when you actually boil love down, God is love. It's, it's who he is. Um, I don't know if I can explain it any more than that. I, through studying, I was, I was listening to a few things online, and I was listening to this older gentleman, I can't remember his name right now, but he said, it's so basic, it's so simple. And after I got listening, I thought, he's right. You know, sometimes I want to piece this apart and try to explain how God is love, and yes, he is love, but we have to accept that God is love. And what I love about this whole thing, that God is love, the very being of God is love. And that's why he created this world. He created this world because he wanted somebody to love him. And then we know, and he states that in verses uh, 9 there, he said, God's love was manifest towards us that he sent his only begotten son into the world. And, and I know everybody knows John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, God loved us enough that once we had messed up the world fairly badly, he sent his son to die for you and me. His son didn't do anything wrong, but he loves us. And that's that's where I started comprehending a little tiny bit. And I don't think I can even comprehend in my little feeble brain exactly how God is so loved because I don't know, it just probably blows my mind. But having said that, when I wrestle with the thought that Jesus came here to die for you and me because he loved you. You see, Jesus didn't have to come, or Jesus didn't, he wasn't kicked out of heaven because he was a bad boy. God sent him here for a purpose, and that was to die because God loves you. And that very, that very thought of love has intrigued me to the point because there are people with a very low self esteem. And, and you can call it humility if you want. You can call it this or that. But ultimately, because God loves you is the reason you are worth something. And I, and I want to be careful when I say that, kind of. But honestly, that is where our self-worth has to go to because God created you. You didn't just happen. You weren't brought into this world just for some odd reason. 
We know that the world has totally tainted love, totally twisted it up, and that's what the world does all the time. The world loves to take what God has designed as a beautiful thing and who God is and then just twist it and mire it to the point nobody understands it anymore. You know, I don't even believe that the world really knows what true love is. They know what lust is. People fall in love, fall out of love, move on. But they don't know what true love is. But I believe as we as Christians, when it says that God is love there in 1, uh, 1 John 4, is, and then he says, because he sent his son, in this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son for us. And then it finishes up in verse 11 there. It says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. And that's a little bit different subject that I'm planning to get to unless the clock beats me to it. Then we'll worry about that one down the road. But what I want to press or I want us to think about today is he sent his son because he loved you. Your self-worth in life is because God loves you. Not because you had a wonderful dad. That's wonderful. Great. Blessings be. Not because you had an awful dad. Sorry about that. Not because you had a mom that was awful, or a dad, or a grandpa, or a grandma, or anybody else. Your self-worth has to come back to the fact that God loves you. Every single one of us has to recognize that God is love, and he loves you, and that's why you are here to live. Until then, people will let you down. I will guarantee it. Someone will let you down in your life. If your self-worth is how well your wife or husband love you, or how well your dad and mom were parents, I, well, I'll take a survey. How many people are perfect parents? Yeah, I got no hands up. Thank you. At least we got honesty so far. But I, I do question, because we're not perfect. No one's perfect. But God is perfect and God is love. And I want us to dwell on that in the fact that, that if we know him, that is why we are here. So, before I go any farther, I'd like to get into agape love. There is several different words translated in the Bible from the Greek back into our English language, and I'm no scholar in that. Probably going to refer to Chase if you want more information on all these Greek words. I, I do know that this whole scripture talks about agape love. There is different types of love. There's the romantic love. There's a brotherly love. There's, there's different things. But today we're going to focus on agape love, and that is to know God. And I believe that the Holy Spirit gives us the power to somewhat understand that love. So I've got several definitions here that I'm going to quickly go through here this morning just to hopefully enlighten or give us a picture of what agape love is. I was thoroughly blessed by it when I was studying, so I'm going to share it with you today. And I got these from different, uh, one was from Enduring Word, um, the commentary there. Different, different men, different opinions on kind of practically putting it into place, some commentaries, so this is where it comes to. It is a love that loves without changing. It is a self-giving love that gives without demanding or expecting repayment. It is a love that loves even when rejected. Hmm. This type of love is self-giving, not selfish, very simple, very basic, and very seldom practiced. And that's that statement I got from that older gentleman I was listening to. 
And that statement kind of broke my heart. So I think he's right. It is a self-giving love. Giving of oneself without expecting repayment, without expecting anything in return, without, it, without maybe even knowing it will be rejected. It is very simple, very basic, but very seldom practiced. And I hope that's not right here today. I hope that we can honestly say before God that we have agape love. That's my heart's cry. But I think there is a point that sometimes we don't practice it very well. Agape love, a decision regardless of an emotion. Mm. Now that one there, I had to think about a little bit, but I totally believe it because agape love is not how I feel. You know, um, sometimes we, we twist things up a little bit, and, and, I, and this one just struck me as, as uh, here again, I was listening to a sermon, and, and he said, you know, we've got it kind of messed up in this world. We say, hey, I love chocolate cake. Or I love the Iowa Hawkeyes. Or I love going to town and going shopping. Or I love deer hunting. Or I love mashed potatoes and gravy. Or I love rice and beans. Right? That's, we hear them statements all the time. So is that a decision regardless of emotion? See, I think in truthfulness, we like chocolate cake. You know, we like certain things. But I believe when we say we love something, it is a decision regardless of emotion. It is a decision to compassionately, righteously, and responsibly seek the well-being of another. So, if I say I love chocolate cake, am I really looking out for the well-being of that chocolate cake as I devour it? Probably not. See, I like chocolate cake. Well, I, I really don't. I'm sorry about that one. Let me clarify this. I'm not a big chocolate cake person. So, but we say I like something. It's because the emotions certain inside of us. We enjoy it. And that's not wrong. But I think when it comes to, uh, to love, to sincere love, it is selfless giving. A self-centered person cannot truly love. You have to take your eyes off yourself and with the help of the Holy Spirit, and this is why I believe agape love is, is done amongst Christians. Because I believe that God has to be in us. We have to understand that God is love and that God's love has to flow through us out into the world. Because the Holy Spirit has to help us. Because in and of itself, we just like chocolate cake. Or we like this if it's good. Or I don't like this. You know, I really don't like coffee. I really don't like tea. I really don't like broccoli. It's cooked wrong. That's true. But anyway, so them are little things in our life. But when we talk about loving, it has to be the Holy Spirit flowing through us, and we have to take our eyes off of us. And we have to look, what can we do for someone else? I, I struggle with that sometimes because I think sometimes we dumb down love just a little bit. I believe our love should be as Jesus, unselfish, self-giving, seeking first the good of others. And I believe if we have that right, the whole world will take notice. I don't think we should be doing it so the world notices. But I believe that it is such a contradiction to what the world sees. See, the world sees people trying to get all they can get. The world sees us trying to just gather all we can gather and help ourselves out and further our own own, own, um, further our own means or our own benefit of, of what we are. 
But I believe agape love and the love that Christ gave us, and that he in turn says God is love in us, is a love that will, will show the world and change the world. Because we're not asking for something back. You know, I'm not saying that I love you as long as you keep winning. You know, or I'm not going to love you as long as the cake tastes right. No, I'm saying that I am looking out for the betterment of you. And that's why I love you. And that's why God sent his son here for us. 1 Corinthians 13, and I understand that this chapter, I was so blessed when Amos Raver several years ago uh, shared with us on spiritual gifts, and he made the comment, he said, 1 Corinthians 13 is sandwiched in between the two spiritual gift passages, and I've never forgot that, so I don't want to abuse the, the context of it, but he says, your spiritual gifts must be done with love, because that's what's important. But I do believe there are a few things in 1 Corinthians 13, I'm not going to turn to it, we all know 1 Corinthians 13 as a love chapter. And uh, there is a few things in there that give us a better idea of true love. And, and he says, and that's where I want, like I said, I want to take this out of context because that is saying uh, the spiritual gifts must be done in love. You can say, I have the gift of prophecy, so I can just go around, you know, telling everybody what's going to happen. I have the gift of whatever, whatever. I can do whatever. No, you have to do it out of love. And that's what it's saying. But in that chapter, he goes through and he describes love as being patient Suffering long, being kind. Mm. See, love does not envy, does not parade itself around, and does not seek its own. It even goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 13 that though I uh, bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. So if you sold everything you had and gave it all to feed orphanages in Africa, it would profit you nothing if you did it just for what you got out of it. But if you do it out of heart of love, it can go miles and miles. And so I, uh, I share 1 Corinthians 13 in that context because I feel like we, it gives us a little bit more of a picture of agape love. See, it's not about me. It's not about seeking my own. It's not about being kind to those that are kind to me. It's simply about looking out for the benefit of someone else. And the reason I keep pushing this, the, that point home is because, as 1 John 4 says, God is love. And he had your best interest in mind when he sent his son down here to die for you and me. And that concept itself just absolutely blesses my heart. I believe that that concept should do what verse 11 says, we ought to love one another. I warned you that the clock might beat me, so I'm going to close today, and we will pick up, we ought to love one another. Next time I share, may God bless you. I hope that uh, God's love is radiant in our lives, and I hope that um, we can be inspired. I might, my true cry is that you can look into the scriptures and, and look at how many times and how much of the scriptures are revolved around love and that God loves you. May God bless you.